Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says, promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Newswire Wednesday podcast. Coming at you guys real quick with a note from our presenting sponsors. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. It's not long before the NBA, NFL, maybe the MLB will be back all at once. Might be a weird sports trifecta. BetOnline.ag is the place to go to put those bets in and make some cash. So if you're looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So make sure that you're going to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE, BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Now let's shift our way over to today's podcast. We are going to get to our guest quick here. I shouldn't even call him our guest. He's like my co-host when he's on, Jared Mueller. Jared, how are you? Oh, I'm all right, man. Just enjoying this uh, interesting weather. <laughs> yeah, well, it's hot today, cold tomorrow, you know, typical Ohio stuff. Well, I'm going to give you the floor, man. I know you got um, some, some, some great information on a fundraising opportunity for one of our own here. So, uh, so take over and then segue into what you want to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as many of you know, um, Lane Atkins, who is an original OBR uh, guy and uh, just been an important part of everything we do for our subscribers and uh, all of those kind of things. His wife passed away uh, two weeks ago now, I think. Geez, Um, time is just uh, a weird construct at this point. But anyway, so we have been raising money for him um, through GoFundMe. uh, And we've actually passed our threshold or our goal. uh, But I have thrown out a challenge starting today that anyone donating $10 or more that started today and will run through Friday, uh, I'm entering into a drawing. uh, And that drawing is from me. And the prize is is maybe something you want. Maybe it's something you want for somebody else. Um, But I will meet you in and or around any of the major Ohio cities, North Kentucky, Indianapolis, some of those kind of areas. And I will pay for 18 holes of golf with a cart, snack at the turn, and dinner after on me. Uh, You and I, whoever wins this, will kind of figure out when and why and how. Um, And, you know, maybe it's in the fall and we set up something and and make it a bigger fundraiser. Uh, I'll tell you this. I'm going to try to get my brother involved, uh, who actually has a car dealership uh, that he's a manager of in Sandusky, uh, because Lane is having a a car difficulties where uh, he lost his wife and then his vehicle stopped working a couple days later. So here's the deal. Uh, Let's take care of our own. uh, And I want to do something. Again, spending time with me is probably not that special, uh, but $10 will get you into a drawing. Uh, for wherever we can figure out we want to go golfing, food, all that stuff. So, again, go to GoFundMe. Uh, it's called Fundraiser for Lane Atkins. Um, you can look that up. It's also on all of our Twitter feeds, those kind of things. Um, so, again, uh, most important thing is to take care of each other, love each other. Uh, and I just wanted to do something lip. Um, and so we passed our goal. I don't want you to stop just because of that. So that is that piece of the puzzle. And I will put the um... – 
I'll put that link in the uh, Twitter or sorry in our in our podcast episode description here, so you guys can find that if you go into uh, if you can Apple, Spotify, whatever. It's in the description. So back to you, my friend. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, Jake, as we were talking, uh, just prepping for today's episode, one of the things that is kind of sticking out to me and will continue to be intriguing to me is, you know, Joe Woods comes over from San Francisco. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting as Woods as a defensive backs coach uh, coming from a, a team where kind of the the thought about that team is how awesome and how amazing the defensive line is. And so an article that I was working on today and should finish up uh, tomorrow for the site um, is actually, I think, um, if I'm Jadavian Clowney, I'm looking back uh, at last year and I'm looking at Eric Armstead and I'm looking at him as, man, this guy went from uh, two sacks, two and a half sacks, one and a half sacks, three sacks to 10 sacks and a gargantuan contract with Joe Woods and Chris Kiffin, who both came over from San Francisco. Um, and so that was what actually drew me to kind of looking at the, the Niners defensive line. And it's really funny. And again, you and I talk, uh, at kind of the surface level and then kind of go below that, but it's really funny how, how much people talk about that defensive line. And when you look at just their sack totals, as a whole, the number is pretty good. But when you look at their individuals, Armstead had led the team with 10 last year, Bosa with nine, Buckner, who's now gone with seven and a half, D Ford with six and a half. It's really interesting how success as a team um, and overall talent um, and names and all that stuff kind of overshadow the fact that the Niners didn't have a dominant player when it comes to rushing the passer and getting the sacks, but they had a whole lot of players on their team getting sacks. And I wonder as the Browns um, look to build and look to prioritize things, I wonder if Woods's year with San Francisco will have him wanting to prioritize that more, even though he's kind of a defensive backs guy and has been really focused on that, you know, most of his career. And so I'm really intrigued looking at the Niners and looking where the Browns are and they're interested in Clowney and whether they'd keep Vernon and Adrian Claiborne, all the different things that they've done. It's really interesting to look at what the Niners were and what the Browns can be. And so I guess my question for you is, as you kind of think about Joe Woods, and I know you break down the film better than anybody, you know, do you see, do you think his defenses of the past have been focused as on the defensive backs or the defensive line? Or, you know, what does that look like for him? Because we relate him to the Niners right now. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you have to think about his time with Denver, too, because time in Denver, he was actually really in charge of their defense, right? And, um, you know, it's particularly interesting to note that his two stops, he's had two very good defensive lines and two, like, extremely talented um, talented individual players, too. You know, you got to think of Von Miller in Denver, but they, it wasn't just Von Miller at the time. There's plenty of other names, you know, Shelby Harris and, and Derek Wolf. Those guys were very good. Right, the, the, those interior guys, and then kind of mixed in with sort of how they played their variety of fronts in Denver, and, and they had a dominant force. And then you look at his time in San Francisco, and obviously all of those guys thrived. And you know, if it's me, and I'm looking at breaking down the film, like I watched the Browns' two cornerbacks and uh, wrote on Greedy Williams that posted today, mm-hmm. that guy's exceptionally better in man-to-man coverage than he is in zone. If he's playing off-ball coverage, he just doesn't look comfortable. Like, he doesn't look comfortable. He does not react well to route concepts in front of his face. He's just more comfortable as a mirroring corner. Like, so 
my thought process for, for what he would do for his defense is I would want my corners to put as much pressure on opposing defensive or sorry, opposing offenses, you know, wide receivers walk down in their face as often as they can and make the quarterback have to hold on to the ball for an extra second. Now, maybe you get burnt occasionally, but those two guys between Denzel, who it's no secret he's a better man-to-man player. Now, Denzel did get better in zone the second half of last year. I thought he really became pretty proficient in it. But, um, you know, if you're looking at what those two guys do well outside – and then a mixture of, of a guy inside and Kevin Johnson who can play, I think, a, a variety of coverages inside. I just think you're looking at um, the additions to the secondary outside of those two corners as, as Swiss Army Knife types guys. You, you, you can walk up to the ball, and Delpit can be a single high safety but can also play slot corner on bigger guys. They have a, a bunch of different players that can thrive there, but if you're looking for ways to, to, to sort of disrupt an opposing offense – you would say, hey, I want to have a defensive line that's dominant, and how can I buy them an extra half second to a full second? Well, I can, I can have corners who, who, who play press man and really make it difficult, take away easy throws for the quarterback, those quick timing throws, whatever. Um, they just make it a little bit more difficult. Now, they're, they're, like I said, they're, it carries more risk factor in terms of getting beaten man to man. You might not have coverage over the top all the time. Um, if you get, you know, especially dicey and like to blitz a lot, then you, you put yourself at a risk. But I, those, two, those two corners um, – you know, make it justifiable to say we want to invest a lot in our defensive line because the worst thing you can do is have the Greg Williams theory, right, where we have a good defensive line or at least the defensive line is playing well at the time and we just play bail corners all the time and give easy throws. Like if it brings back haunting memories of that Packers game with Brett Hundley in like 2017 or something like that, where they're just taking easy throws all the time. It's like, what, what the hell are you doing? You have to either, you know, if you're going to have an average defensive line, then you have to find a way to make – quarterbacks hold on to the football a little bit longer and that might mean dropping more guys into coverage but with this group I think you can really challenge wide receivers on the outside at least with what those two cornerbacks are comfortable doing um, coming out of college it was no secret there were better man-to-man corners and and uh, it was it was sometimes watching Greedy's film it was square peg round hole kind of thing where it just didn't match up with what he did well in coverage and I just was too often watching him in off ball and struggling and maybe he gets better at that down the line because Woods might like to do a little bit more cover three, single high, middle of the field, close type of stuff. But um, I think when you're looking at investing in the defensive line, if you if you have two corners who can take away outside threats or move around and cover guys wherever they're lined up, whether they're lined up inside, maybe Juju lines up inside and you tail him with Denzel all game or whatever you want to do, um, you have the pieces already in place at the cornerback position. You have a rangy center field type rookie. You have Sandejo, who's savvy enough to play too high stuff. You have Carl Joseph, who can be a box player and get after run game, but can also cover well enough in the slot. Um, you have a nice group there, and I think that they can really do enough to, to mask the linebacker issues because that's what they have to do. Between their secondary, Jared, mm-hmm. and their defensive line, they have to find a way to mask and limit the issues those linebackers could create because they're not very good. I like Point blank, they could overachieve, <laughs> like, they could overachieve, and that's great. We hope they do, but if you're looking at it going into the year and – and mapping out projections, like they're just not very good, and that's 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 sort of what their their risk factor is right now. We should we should come up with a scheme that allows us to challenge wide receivers, tight ends, and makes life a little bit difficult on the quarterback, and give our defensive line, who we think is very talented and we're willing to invest a lot in, an opportunity, an extra half second or full second to get after the quarterback, and that end that could end up being a really good recipe for success. Yeah, and I think that you really hit hit the nail on the head there. I think so many times we think, you know, we've seen zone coverage and it didn't work, so man is better than zone and vice versa. But the reality is it's about matching talent to players and, uh, you know, and, and figuring out what they do well and how do you uh, 
uh, take advantage of that. I think Baltimore's offense is a great example. You do the, you set up a run game that is multiple and creative and use of tight ends and deep ball, all that stuff. Same thing on defense. It's not about whether man or zone or you know blitzing, not blitzing. It's about if I'm blitzing and I'm bailing my corners, I'm an idiot. Like the reality is, is it was fun for fans to go, look, he's being aggressive. Yeah, he's giving the quarterback, you know, Greg Williams was giving the quarterback simple answers. And I think that's what's going to be really interesting with Woods and, uh, you know, analytics. I think we have heard enough that in general, quote unquote, analytics tends to value coverage over pressure. But the Browns have young, semi-cheap players like you've talked about with Delpit, uh, with the two corners on the outside, that I think they can continue to invest on the inside, uh, which is why even if they sign Clowney or, you know, even if they go after Everson Griffin, I still am not totally sold on the fact that they'll actually cut Olivier Vernon as they continue to look at how they balance out the roster financially and future and all that stuff. But I think it's just really interesting to look at, you know, where Woods just came from, and you're right, his history in Denver with, with Von Miller and Wolf and all of those guys. I think it's going to be really fun to see uh, the Browns develop an identity. And I, I do know from um, reporting from Lane, uh, who obviously, again, please support, um, that the Browns really looked at a defensive coordinator who was going to match scheme to talent instead of coming in and saying, well, this is what I run. You know, I run zone, I run off man, you know, I run these things. It was really they were going to look for someone who was going to match his scheme to the talent. And I think they found that in Joe Woods. It's really nice that his history is a lot of press man and those kind of things. Some of that cover three stuff, which Greedy and Delpit, I think, can do a little of with their size. And and you can do a lot of different things with uh, Denzel Ward. So I'm really excited to see where the defense goes. Um, And again, how they make up for those linebackers will be uh, really, really interesting. Or do they get aggressive in a trade later in this very, very weird offseason going into a year we have no idea what to expect? I'm with you, man. It's going to be fascinating, that defensive side and how they structure to keep those linebackers uh, away from too much responsibility and how they sort of make it as easy on those guys as possible. Because as of right now, like you said, like I've said, it's it's a big question mark. So they have to come up with ways to compensate for that. Joe Woods has, has mentioned that and um, has said so in his pressers, and I like that he made the comment about, I'm going to try to run the best of everything we've seen across the NFL. You know, you talked about a guy who can adapt, and hopefully he identifies player strengths. Stuff that, the obvious stuff that buzzword things like, you know, sports journalists talk about, like we're talking about right now. Can you match scheme to to talent? It seems so simple, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes there are more complexities to it. Sometimes there are things you're better at coaching and things more comfortable running, and you're, you're inheriting a group of personnel that you can't just make over in a year. But the hope here, like you said, is that they are able to find ways to take advantage of what they have and the constant turnover can stop and they can identify ways to use the talent they have and draft and fit what they want at the same time in a system that works its way up the ladder from from position coaches to to coordinators and so on and so forth. So this is a great conversation, man. One that I want to touch on more and more as the year gets closer and uh, hopefully once we see some preseason stuff, we can get a real feel for what, you know, what the heck Woods is going to do. So thanks, buddy. Thanks for thanks for stopping in. And, and make sure you guys are taking advantage of that um, opportunity Jared's selling here. It's not, it's not you know, for for something silly. It's it's a great cause, and we're trying to take care of Lane, and, and Jared's going out of his way to do something really fantastic here. So take advantage of that. Jared, thanks, man. Absolutely, Jake. Have a good night, man. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you, uh, as usual, for during this weird time, spending 15, 20 minutes with us as many times a week as you can. Support, you know, the, the, the support is greatly appreciated at the OBR. We have a ton of great stuff up on the site. Um, we're going to keep doing those rookie film rooms. Hope you take advantage of checking that one out. It's up free. You can you can read on 
um, Greedy Williams. I watched 680 snaps. My eyes were bleeding. So much, so much film. Um, but I, I cut up as much as I could to give you a picture of what I thought of him as a player. And we'll do more of those. I'll get Mac Wilson done at some point too next week and uh, all that good stuff. So until we chat next time, thanks for joining us. Go Browns. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.